Good evening and welcome to the podcast for the benefits of Kinnerley with Melvilly, knocking with Maysbrook and Maysbury. And tonight we're looking at session five of our Lent course. Uh, it's called Lifting the Lid and it's about mental health. And this one is called Understood. I invite you to, if you've got a Bible with you, you'll need the Gospel of Luke chapter 7 verses 11 to 15 and chapter 8 verses 40 to 42 and 49 to 56. I invite you to just get a bible if you haven't already just press pause and then we'll take a moment of silence before we begin. So this week we're going to shift our gaze slightly and have a look at those who are caring for people with mental health challenges. We'll be looking at how Jesus responds to two struggling parents. And then we'll briefly reflect on the area of addiction and look at the question of negative emotions in the life of a Christian. So I invite you to turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 7 verses 11 to 15. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nine, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow, and with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favourably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. And then we jumped to chapter 8 verse 40 to 42 and 49 to 56 now when jesus returned the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him just then there came a man named jairus a leader of the synagogue he fell at jesus's feet and begged for him to come to his house for he had an only daughter about 12 years old who was dying while he was still speaking Someone came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any longer. When Jesus heard this, he replied, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be saved. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him, except Peter, John and James, and the child's father and mother. They were all weeping and wailing for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping, and they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up! Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Then he directed them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he ordered them to tell no one what had happened. 
Now I invite you to think about the following questions and you can just pause the podcast and discuss it with a person with you or if you're on your own just have a pen and paper and and use that to discuss it with yourself because sometimes when we write things down thoughts come to us that that just don't if we just sit and think. So here are the questions. Before they meet Jesus, what do you imagine is going through the minds of the widow in Luke 7 and Jairus in Luke 8? Have you supported a loved one through serious illness? What was it like? And what is Jesus' response to these two parents? So have a think about them. Make some notes if you want to. And just pause the podcast and we'll come back together in a moment. In these two extremely short episodes, we see Jesus responding to parents in the distress of losing someone they love. On top of her raw grief, the widow of Nain must have also been thinking about her fragile future. Without a husband or a son, she faced a future that was financially insecure and socially isolated. And these experiences are often shared by those who love people with mental health problems. If the person is unable to work or if the carer needs to take time off, then there can be real financial impact. And this is something that's particularly relevant during this time of coronavirus. When people's incomes are restricted, people's future employment is uncertain and the problems with mental health not just don't go away but are actually exacerbated by the stress and the anxiety of isolation and uncertainty. If the person cared for doesn't want to leave the house or spend time with friends then there'll be a major social impact on the carer too and even when we're in isolation there's a there's a there's people who just don't want to connect using the telephone or or snail mail or online. There's people who just want to literally shut themselves away and hope that everything will, will go away and they'll wake up and it will have all been a bad dream. Jairus leaves his daughter's side to beg Jesus for help. He's made the agonising decision to leave his daughter in her dying moments to go and seek help. And we all know that tough choices are often part of the care experience, especially as carers are torn between the demands of love and loyalty and their own well-being. How many people do we know that are going through similar challenges? Perhaps the partner of someone with depression or a parent of someone who is self-harming, or the child of someone with dementia. With both of these parents, we see Jesus act with great understanding. We read that Jesus' heart goes out to the widow. He was moved and he got involved. In a few minutes, we'll be thinking about how we might act to support those in our community who are struggling and how we can support those who are struggling to support others with poor mental health. First of all, we're going to learn a a little bit about addiction. 
How common do you think addiction is? Well, in a group of 100 people, on average, there'll be 19 people chemically addicted to nicotine, 6 people addicted to alcohol, and 1 to other drugs. On top of that, people become psychologically addicted to pornography, gambling, or food. Anything that has an instant reward attached can become addictive, including social media. These numbers tell us that throughout our community, and indeed within our church family, there will be many struggling with addiction, either themselves or of a family member or friend. But what causes addiction? Addiction can happen to anyone. There's no simple single cause. Sometimes there can be evidence of a genetic link in families, but trauma and loss, particularly in childhood and adolescence, can increase risk. Peer group pressure and easy availability of a substance or activity can start an addiction. Mental health problems and addiction often happen together. Sometimes the mental illness comes first. Sometimes the addiction does. And it can be impossible to tell. Some substances and ad activities are more addictive than others. And often people describe going from one addiction to another. So that's a brief look at addiction. But what are the consequences of addiction? Obviously some addictions are more destructive than others, and common consequences of drug and alcohol based addictions include physical and mental health problems, relationship and family breakdown, neglect of self and or others, poverty and debt, homelessness, unemployment, offending including violent offending, and imprisonment, poor self-worth and hopelessness. On top of all this, addiction can have a devastating impact on an addict's family and community life. But can it be treated? Yes. Treatment is available for drug, alcohol and nicotine addictions in particular. Recovery from addiction is generally a long-term prospect rather than a short-term fix, needing specialised help that can include medical treatment and talking therapies. as well as learning new behaviours and forming new relationships. This may involve detoxification and rehabilitation at home or in a residential setting and prescribed medication. Although treatment is available, recovery happens at different rates for different people and we must recognise that for many, the first attempt to manage their substance use is only the start of an epic journey. Community drug and alcohol services will be available locally and people can self-refer or go through a health professional such as their GP. Peer support groups can also be very useful, including Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous and many other similar groups. Other addictions such as gambling and pornography are not as well catered for by the NHS, but many local or national self-help groups are available. The number of church-based ministries and courses is increasing in an attempt to plug some of the gaps and also provide high-quality care for people. But what about faith? Being a Christian does not offer immunity to addiction. 
there'll be a significant number of addicted people in churches, although often their addictions are hidden due to shame or denial, and perhaps the feeling that they might be looked down upon or judged. Supporting those struggling with addictions is a vital part of our outreach and our mission. One of the most important factors in recovery is for the person recovering to be surrounded by people who will care and help them appropriately. If we can show Jesus' love to someone in their time of need, then we can really help them. And our church community should be ideal for this. But we need to be equipped. We need to be competent and compassionate so that we can really help people with addictions. Prayer and practical support for those in need are essential. Addiction can be overcome and the person can be restored to fullness of life as Jesus intends, with hope for the future. There are many people who have recovered from many forms of addiction who can testify that this is true. Now some tricky issues to think about. The Bible says, do not worry, do not be afraid, do not let your heart be troubled, be slow to anger. Some might say that Christians should not experience negative emotions. What do you think? Just pause the podcast, have a chat with the person in your home with you. Or if there's no one with you, again, piece of paper, just jot down some thoughts. And then we'll come back together in a moment. I know I'm not really supposed to feel like this. How many times have we heard that or said it to ourselves? Are there some emotions which Christians are not supposed to feel? Emotions have a big influence upon us and our lives, although some Christians mistakenly believe that they should never feel emotions such as fear, anger, guilt, worry and sadness. They're an essential part of normal life and of the way our brains are designed to work. Whilst the need to sometimes suppress emotions in the moment is a healthy part of adult emotional maturity, If denying, repressing or suppressing our emotions is the only way we know to manage them, we place ourselves at risk later on. When we read the Gospels, we find Jesus to be a man who experiences a full range of emotions, even the so-called negative ones. He sheds tears. He grieves. He gets angry. He experiences anguish and sadness. He shows astonishment and wonder, and he feels deep emotional distress. Of course, emotions are not an end in themselves. They trigger and prompt actions. The Bible does not condemn our emotions, but it does hold us accountable for what we do next. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, In your anger, do not sin. So the challenge for us 
is a series of three questions. What can we learn from Jesus' approach to both Jairus and the widow? How can we better notice those in our community who are carrying the heavy burden of care? And how, as a church, can we support those who are caring for friends or relatives with mental health problems? Again, pause the podcast and write down some notes, have a chat and press play when you're ready to continue. Now we're going to take a few moments of quiet to review what we've heard today and to think about what to do with it giving God the space to speak to us. I want to encourage you to sit comfortably with your legs uncrossed, your feet firmly on the floor. And when you're ready, please close your eyes. Think of a time when you felt that you were carrying a big burden of responsibility. Perhaps you were looking after a friend or family member. What was going on? How did you feel? Did anyone reach out to you with understanding? Now think of someone that you know who is caring for someone with mental health problems. It might not be a full-time role, but someone who carries that burden of worry. How could you help them feel understood? Is there anything you could do to comfort and support them? when you're ready and there's no rush please open your eyes prayer. Almighty God, we pray for those who give care to family members and friends living with mental illness. May they feel your loving hand and your sustaining and nurturing power. May they feel less frustrated and experience less guilt for very human feelings they may have about wanting to escape their tasks. May they find us eager to support them in the midst of their difficult tasks. May we always encourage them 
as they grasp hold of an identity of worth and value, even when community seems to desert them and their loved ones. Save us from our ignorance, Lord, that we may not ignore our friends because they live with pain that we do not understand, but rather help us to see that they are people of great courage and love who are trying desperately to care for a family member or friend. Thank you for the many contributions persons who care for folks in mental distress bring to the lives of their loved ones. Help us to learn from their examples of patience, strength, compassion and faith. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this fifth session of the Lifting the Lid Lent course. Our session next week will be our last one, session six, called Beloved.